0: Sonic State.
1: Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 116. It's live once again in the so- from Sonic State Towers. Um, it's not snowing today. I think it's working. We've got some people in the chat room, so let's count our uh, chickens as lucky and working or clucky even. Sorry, I really am. I'm rambling and I've only just started. Anyway, welcome one and all, and uh, let's start with uh, Dave Spears from G4 Software. How are you doing, Dave? i'm all right yeah surviving good stuff g 4 com, of course mm. if you can get through Yay. to it i mean it's just it's, it's inundated with uh it's like youtube i couldn't get through to youtube today don't know what's going on seems Slow. to be broken gone <laughs> that's what your site's like because just well it's not generally but there's just so much traffic isn't there you're just fending them off it's me
0: hitting refresh, refresh.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good to have you aboard, Dave, as ever. And uh, let's zoom over to the other side of the pond and say hello to Rich Hilton in Connecticut. Rich Hilton, of course, um, not, not feeling too chipper today. Got a bit of bronchitis, I believe.
2: Well, yeah, the chipper part's coming back. It's good. the lungs that'll take a little longer. But uh, I'm good. I'm cool. Happy to be here, as always. Do you get a kind of,
1: um, you get the Howard Hughes oxygen? kind of vibe going on when you get bronchitis or are you uh, you're perfectly able to breathe okay
2: no i um, i do take certain kinds of breathing treatments sometimes and they give us uh typically a combination of antibiotics and steroids if you're interested and uh kind of puts you back on the path the uh the steroids make you forget about the symptoms until the antibiotics kick in
1: oh, okay I and mean, that's maybe what my daughter could do my daughter's got uh tonsillitis and it's horrible
2: oh it she's, is yeah. she's
1: been ill for like a week and she's never yeah. never this ill. And it's it's uh, painful, too, yeah. It's, high
2: fevers, pain. It's very stressful. Give her a kiss for me, please.
1: Uh, I, well, I will. I will, if you don't Thank mind. You. Um, Tell so, her old
2: friend Rich said hi.
1: <laughs> so, Rich Hilton, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius for all your Hilton-type needs. And uh, g4software.com. And uh, let's come back here for Mark Tinley. Hello, Mr. Mark Tinley. How are you?
3: I'm very well. Good. I don't have bronchizers. I no. have had bronchitis in the past, and I had it a lot as a child, so I feel for you it's not a nice thing to have at all.
1: No, my cousin yeah. gets it a lot. It's just one of those things that recur, isn't it?
3: I had yeah. bronchitis yeah. till I was 14. I started smoking, and it went away.
2: So. <laughs> there
1: you go, Rich. There's <laughs> some dare, advice there's...
2: from a veteran. <laughs> That's my problem right there. <laughs> just pop, the, pop
1: a cigar. Let's, let's see. A, what, you, what you need is a stogie. I can see and- you with one of those.
3: But I've had advice from a doctor in the past when I was younger to go and have a cigarette to help bring stuff up. I mean, can you believe that? They wouldn't say that now, would they?
1: I doubt it. No, is he still working? Did he get struck off? Actually, I think he's dead. He's old
3: enough. To, he was old enough then to be dead now, I would have thought.
1: Lung cancer, was it? <laughs> anyway, enough of this joshing. PJ Tracy! Oh, no, first of all, of course... Um, you can find out what uh, Mark's up to. Um, well, where, where, are we, where are we looking for your stuff now, for your book and all that business? Where do we look to get the best Let's of Let's send at-
3: straight to the book, shall we, which is http colon slash slash thelogicofattraction.com.
1: There you go, logicofattraction.com. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I fully intend to yay when I get the moment maybe while I'm uh, maybe I could figure out how to get it on my
3: iPod and I- before you go on then I've got a request yeah I need to find a man with a soft silky American accent and some recording equipment who can uh help me to record the audiobook okay in other words I'll send them the book they'll read it and then I'll edit it and check it and then I'll put it online and we'll um, come up with some kind of agreement. Okay. You might
2: already know one.
3: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Mm. All right, well, uh, the call goes out. The call went out over the internet, interweb. Town criers were shouting it from every rooftop. Okay, well, good luck. Send, uh, just send us a mail or send uh, Mark a mail or, yeah, drop us a line. Okay, um, and PJ Tracy, Emmy-winning PJ Tracy from
4: Minneapolis. How are you? It's a little chilly in here this morning. I ran in a little bit late and uh, realized that uh, the temperature in here has dropped considerably since last time I was here, which was last evening, so as soon <laughs> as the show is done, I am going to march up to the front office and complain to my landlord.
1: Ah, heating's no good.
4: God yeah. damn. It's, God damn! I know, and it's, uh, it's awfully cold outside today around here, but 7 degrees Fahrenheit currently.
1: Well, I don't know. What can we warm What can we warm you up with? Let me think. Uh, PJTracyMusic.com, I should add, um, for all your PJ Tracy um, facts and figures and things. You should go and check him out there. But anyway, welcome one and all. Uh, Sonic Talk number 116. Um, so I, I, what did I do last week? Last week I went to see a gig. I went to see a gig in a new venue in uh, our town, which was a place called Comedia in Bath. It's the old cinema. Uh, it was great big and there was some great stuff there there was a band called uh what were they called um phantom limb with which sounded like it were going to be a real goth band but they had the most amazing singer brilliant stuff and then the main act was carlene anderson and um i thought she was great actually and i was watching her and she was sort of saying oh some of you real old people are going to recognize this one and she played and she sang apparently nothing with the young disciples and i was thinking hold on that's not that long ago is it and i thought about it and it's like "Hmm, yes it is quite a long time ago and then she pronounced that her 30-year-old son was in the audience and uh, she was well over 50, which I've just, you know, w- was not ready for. It completely blew me away because she was, just does not seem it on stage at all and she's still got a really acrobatic voice and, and all that. And it was great fun. I love her.
0: Well, I've can- got a vis- uh, reference here. Just want to hear it? Yeah, go on then. Oh, come on. There you go. What was that? That's enough. Was the break at the beginning of apparently nothing?
1: Ah, boom, ba dum doom, doom, And I'll tell you what, she's a mean tambourine player. A mean tambourine player. She was really, wig, really giving it some. Anyway, but I, I must admit, some of the stuff, the, the arrangements and things just sounded a little bit dated. And even though she's a classic soul singer, I mean, a sort of new, new generation of classic soul singers, I guess. And it just, I thought it raised the question: I thought, what's the difference between dated and classic? You know, say, I mean, for me, Chic never sounds old and dated it always sounds fresh and you know kind of with it now is that just me or is it because there's a certain something you know i mean i'm not trying to kind of get into any comparison things here. i thought maybe we could analyze or at least discuss what what do you think the difference is i mean for you um say dave why don't you go first seeing as you have the break ready
0: uh dated is cheesy and classic is vibey
1: <laughs> okay can you... Yeah,
0: ambiguous enough for
1: you? That's pretty ambiguous. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm any um, any better off than when I first posed the question. Anybody else care to chip in? I suspect that Rich Hilton might have another another way of looking at it, or maybe wrong. What do you think, Rich?
2: Well, um, I, I don't want to... I don't like the idea that it ever sounds dated. Um, I think that some people struggle to recapture the feel of the original record and then that's about as well as it's going to do and other people just take it upon themselves within their own you know unique setting and try to create something new out of it and we have the opportunity to create something new out of it with the guy who wrote all the songs so it really helps yeah sure um so uh I think it's, it's, uh, it's a struggle not to appear dated, and we do you know, tours that I occasionally like to refer to as traveling disco flea circuses, where we go out with a whole bunch of other acts. And uh, most of them play with the house band, and the house bands typically do very well. Actually, we do these in the UK quite a bit. And, um, and the, everybody's trying to make it sound good right now in this room for those people whose hearts are in it. And uh, some people succeed better than others from night to night. That's all it is. To
1: yeah, me. I know. It, was, it wasn't really more. I just wondered whether there was a, an ingredient. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking of necessarily in live because I think live, you know, it can, you, You're right. It can be down to, you know, it's like intrinsically what's happening is God, we're sick of these tunes. We're just paying it to get, you know, so we can get back to the hotel. I mean, I'm sure that happens a bit, not a great deal. It's more just like the, there's there's a certain predictability about certain arrangements. I mean, in 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 the same way that we kind of want that we kind of expect it because we want to know when the chorus is coming and getting ready for it there are ways and tricks in arrangement which i suspect nile is a bit of a master at that throw the usual 8 4 16 32 kind of thing out the window and maybe that helps to keep it fresh and seem like it's it has got more um i don't know uh,
3: about that no <clears throat> think about gary newman i don't think any of his arrangements or anything that spectacular but his records are really cool Hmm. And you listen back
0: to it Sound. Yeah, sound. If so, okay, if Rich used the JD-800 piano sound, dated. If he used real piano sound, classic. Carleen yeah. Anderson, if she used Wurlitzer sound, classic. If she used D-50 piano sound, dated.
1: Yeah, they were using uh, Nord Leeds, actually. Um, they had two. They had a Nord uh, or uh, one, not Nord lead. One they were those Nord um, keyboards, which Ele- are kind electros. of electros. Uh, electros,
4: yeah. I, Stage I think there two, of There were two.
1: There were two of them. One was handling the organs. The other one was handling the electric pianos and the piano. And then he also had what looked like a microcorg uh, connected to the uh, to an S five thousand. And at the beginning, they were playing a couple of loops and sort of extra BVs and things, which they only used the tiny bit and a few atmospheric intros. And he was using the microcorg for sort of corg for sort of lead. Sounds, at least I think that's what it was because it didn't have the gooseneck on it, it looked about right for a microcork. Hmm. But yeah, there's
3: a, there's a cheese factor as well, isn't there? I was thinking about bands from the 80s. I mean, if you look at ABC, they're really cheesy. You look at Tears for Fears, I would say Tears for Fears are more classic.
1: They've got they more, of using, a,
3: right? They were using the same synthesizers pretty much, weren't they, and the same sounds. But Tears for Fears maybe had, uh, maybe it's because, maybe it's like the message in the song again.
1: I think the atmosphere, Tears for Fears was very atmospheric, wasn't it? There was a bit, even though there was a lot of kitchen sink stuff in there, it had more, I don't know, reverb (laughs) and more space. It was a bit more kind of vibey in that way. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about bands that perhaps we all like. I don't know. I think that's a good analogy, though, Dave.
3: What about Spando Ballet?
1: Yeah, no, I can't. I can't really do. Beautifully I mean,
3: produced, though, really well no, produced. No, I would. I would agree
1: with you there. I mean, I think they're cheesy and classic.
3: Mm, don't know about a classic. I think they're just cheesy.
1: <laughs> I mean, I absolutely hated this. Much is true when it came out, but when I saw, I think it was the now that's what I call the '80s. I think we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago that was uh, uh, basically a load of bands from the '80s, kind of reliving their glory on a uh, one sort of fabulous TV special. <laughs> I want to get that, Dave. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, you know, I, I really don't like Tony Hadley's delivery or anything, but I thought, wow, you know, that really actually holds up. That really does hold up. I mean, okay, I think so the song uh, must have something to do with it.
3: I'm going to throw a complete spanner into the works then. How come when bam, I am a man, job or no job, you can't yeah. tell me that I'm not? How does that still stand up as classic when it's absolutely awful? <laughs> Agreed. I
1: don't know, but I think you're right. I mean, this is one of the things somebody sort of said. Anything by stockhake and a Waterman is che- is, uh, is is dated. Um, but then, my I, and I put in the um, I, I can't look now because the truck rooms moved on a, a few lines. And I would say, but I bet you know all the words. You know,
4: synth I, brass cheesy synth synth brass. dated yeah.
1: synth brass. Now I got you there.
4: Blockers, yeah, most definitely synth brass cheesy dated. <laughs>
1: But I was, because I, I play a few tunes before the show and I was playing a couple of things and and then, you know, something, what was it, Tin Drum, Japan came on. I mean, mm. you know, I am not, I don't, I don't make, I make no apologies that I'm a massive uh, Japan fan. That doesn't sound dated to me. It still sounds really quite unusual and fresh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome, that record. Mm. Okay, we'll have a vote on one instrument then. All right. <laughs> M- M1 Piano. Dated or
1: classic? Oh, I, that pains me to say. I, that's I've said before. I based my entire musical career on the M1 piano. I'm not sure I can vote against it, but yes, you're right. It is dated. I
3: think it might well, be moving well, into classic find, yeah, yeah, I, think I think it's, I it's hope a classic. You can find some house tracks which have M1 yeah. piano. Ding
1: ding yeah. ding 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 ding. Yeah, those sort of house tracks. I think uh, yeah. what I used to like it for a lot was uh, low, ominous kind of notes in an atmospheric kind of way as well.
0: And know. one finger clicks, date <laughs> it.
4: <laughs> <Pole>. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Oh, I so wish I had some of these samples to hand. I feel like i uh, them, dispersing them. But, um, you might have to fly them in. Universe, somebody said. What yeah, about? that's the one. And wasn't there something called Bamboo as well? There was. Yeah, and that was all over um, a few ads, wasn't it? And Law, Circus, oh, oh, Oliver yeah, Davis from Circuit ball. Symphony is <laughs> is obviously got a memory for patch names.
4: <laughs> and the in the metal pole.
1: Yeah, that um, yeah. was I'm trying to I think I actually used that on something. What okay, was it? Native,
4: native log Dance <laughs> T50. Yeah,
1: Come okay. on,
0: Come on Oliver, classic or uh, I
3: think classic. Actually, I love I think, it. Yeah. I think most of the Roland sounds are classic. Maybe that's it. Maybe the bands that used Roland synthesizers can be called classic.
4: Has to be the bands that use Roland synthesizers.
1: I don't know. Well, what, how about I, Roland
3: I and Moog and anybody Prophet, that used oh. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't. I don't know what. Um, Nan, I, don't, I don't know what the uh, Young Disciples used. Um, uh, I couldn't they say. Mini Moog. Mini Moog. Well, a, it's, it's, an Aki S nine hundred. I would. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, well, I, was, uh, I had a very, very good afternoon with. Um, who's that keyboard player? Oh Gold. who did Style Council and um, Mick uh, Tolbert? Mick Tolbert. Yeah.
1: Was he yeah. the Young Disciples?
0: He did a load of stuff on Young Disciples. Get yourself together. I've got the sleeve notes here. Oh, pa- Dave. Apparently nothing. I was playing it. As soon, as soon as I got the show notes through, I thought, oh, I haven't heard that album for ages.
1: Apparently nothing was, when, was my favourite one. That like, little Rhodes riff was just... Or oh, was it a wah thing? Anyway. Mm-hmm.
4: How about, how so, about Nick. people with really... Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I just talked over Mark there. It was... Yeah, that's
3: impossible. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was
3: going to say, how about people with a really strong musical vision? So Nile Rodgers has a very strong musical vision, and he's very much a leader in that field. Um, Tears for Fears had a strong musical vision. Yeah, um, I'd say Gary Newman had a strong. Mu-
4: yeah. Did Mark just fall off?
1: Mark just fell off in the middle of a, vi- a vision. <laughs> He was having oh, a vision, yeah. Gary and he f- Newman,
2: and he went away. Yeah, God, yeah. was
1: that's really weird, yeah. isn't it? The Gary Where's Newman
2: going? police have come. I think the <laughs> so
1: inventions
4: I think it's of Gary Newman in the podcast.
2: would never do anything like that.
1: I was going <laughs> to say, um, you know, to, to counter Mark's discussion about um, Gary Newman, I, I think if you went to see Gary Newman now, and he was, would would it have the same gravitas and weight? I don't know.
0: Because so He was using D50s. That's,
4: that's a good question. Yeah, I don't I mean, don't I mean I'd given this this question a lot of thought because I found it interesting, and obviously all the subjectivity aside I, I i often wonder if classic tracks aren't defined by um the fact that somehow even even in their time they define they define that time and somehow they add something to it, something slightly transcendent to the to the moment itself and so in hindsight when you when you look back at the music, you say ah that that's so that time, you know, and I, it either speaks lyrically about the time or production wise advanced something or it added something significant musically or not even significant musically, but, but a spice to that, that period of time. And when you look back at it, you can say that's, that's definitive of it, of its time.
1: Well, it's like a collective memory, isn't it? To a, to a degree. Yeah.
0: It's, it's fine. <laughs> Daniel uh,
4: Merriweather, my brother-in-law's uh, working
0: with him and Ronson at the minute. Uh-huh. Definitely classic even though it's new. Scissor Sisters, dated.
1: Hmm, maybe you're right. Mm. Mark Tinley, you were in the middle of a vision, and then you fell. I was.
3: Where did, How far did I get? It? You
1: were just, you were sort of talking, uh, you're non, non, yeah, you just went, Gary Newman, vision, and that was it. That was enough. And I would say ABC2 to a degree, because um, they were produced by, all the good stuff was produced by um, Trevor Horn, who I think... Um,
3: Uh, Maybe we can just say anything produced by Trevor Horn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all right. Yes. (laughs) What the (laughs)
3: hell? Yeah, so let's just make
1: that broad sweeping sweeping statement.
3: Are you sure propaganda are a classic? No, they're not. Right, good. Sounds like the perfect
1: time to thank our new show sponsor, who are Roland UK, and uh, we'd like to say welcome to them. Of course, um, always happy to have a new show sponsor. Uh, we really appreciate the uh, support they're giving us at the moment because uh, uh, we love doing the show. We want to keep it going. They'd like to invite you to take a look at the Phantom GA. It's the ultimate workstation for studio alive live. Uh, giant color touchscreen, 128 track sequencer, audio recording, HD streaming, the sounds. All these things go together to make the Roland Phantom G8 the professional performance workstation keyboard of choice. Check them out at roland.co.uk slash phantom G. Once again, I'd like to say thank you and welcome to Roland UK, the new show sponsors. I'm going to play this because, uh, because I can and I want to.
2: Okay, hi, I'm Amos Gaines with Moog Music, and we're here at the NAM Show 2009 in Anaheim, California. And we're showing off a couple of new things right now. The latest from Moog is the Etherwave Plus Theremin. We have a demonstration patch set up right now using the Voyager Old School and the Etherwave Plus Theremin, and also one of our effects pedals, the MF-102 ring modulator. I'm going to switch on the gate of the synthesizer, and we'll hear a droning note here. And right now, you'll notice that the filter on that patch is being controlled by my gestures in space around the volume pedal. Volume antenna, I should say. And so this is a very direct and intuitive form of control. It's, it's immediate. It's as fast as the speed of electricity. There's no latency and infinite resolution, which is the major advantage of control voltage. That, and it looks really cool.
1: Well, what do you think of that, then? Did anyone get what was going on there? hmm
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think... This could be a corner turn for the theremin because I know we've talked about the theremin and, and to be honest, it's bloody hard to play and it's very easy just to seem like you're not very good and um, you're just kind of off the money. Whereas using it to send out control voltages seems like a pretty inspired use for gesture control stuff to interface with all sorts of things. I think it's a hit.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Dave,
0: <laughs> you sound so convinced not uh no I'd, it's probably the best music i'd ever be able to make with the theremin I mean, god i had one for a while and it was a nightmare i couldn't do it
1: i just have a vision of you of, of, it's almost like trying to kind of wrestle a slippery bar of soap into you know a sli- <laughs> into, a, into a slippery something else you know and just kind of you're just kind of constantly uh, just going, Whoo- okay. whoops whoops oh no oh, no no and you know you kind of turn it on and you reach over to get something and it goes woo, and you just oh stop it yeah, go away. Whereas this, I could see that you could actually do some pretty good. Um, I don't know. I think it could be. It could be good for live. I it try- could be. Could be. Rich, I I, I suspect perhaps you're not going to try and work it into the chic set.
2: Uh, it doesn't seem likely. But I once saw, and this was years and years and years ago, Ronnie Montrose playing a guitar that had a theremin mounted on it, and he would he would you know he'd play some guitar licks and then he'd bring his hand up near the theremin and we'd go woo like this and stuff it was very very effective visually and uh he used it in some pretty cool way. Well, yeah right bad motor scooter yeah he was rocking <laughs> with that shit and, and that's what pardon me that's you know 25 30 more than 30 years ago he was doing that but i i is using a control voltage off of a theremin a new thing is that the deal
1: I, I, Am well, I trying to understand?
2: I'm trying to understand I, I don't what's wrong. Maybe, maybe I this. think
1: so because it's Etherwave Pluff. I mean, I, I think so. I could be totally wrong and misleaded and end up it looking like a chump. It just seems so
2: obvious. It's 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 a ribbon controller without the ribbon. I don't know. It's it's the dual it's axis. Fine.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I'm sure people have modified them to do that. I mean, it must have done in the history of the theremin.
2: And I uh, I did I had to do a theremin piece in college uh, as part of my final in uh, when I studied at Cornell. And I did uh, an oompa version of Roll Out the Barrel.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where I took it up an octave in the last chorus. It's, it's pretty hilarious, even to this day, actually. I got analog synthesizers oompaing away in the background. So It was a four-track machine, so I scored the background into three tracks, and I uh, performed this mighty theremin piece at the end. It was hilarious. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, Pat, you change, please. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, this was 1979, got, and some, I don't hasn't have Hasn't somebody got a Super 8? <laughs> somewhere yeah. there's audio, though. I do have audio somewhere.
4: Oh, I, you must find Oh, now. well, we'll just find some old footage of a polka band and superimpose. Superimpose that.
2: <laughs> 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 a polka band from outer space. It's kind of a Star <laughs> yeah. Wars club scene.
1: Hey, the Circuit Symphony, uh, Oliver Davis says, Air, use the theremin live, and they can play it. Apparently, I've not seen them.
2: I saw saw a guy blow my mind on a theremin about a year and a half ago at a concert in Huntington, Long Island, in tribute to Herb Deutsch, who was one of the uh, contributors to the development of the Moog products. And this guy played incredible theremin. And of course, if you've ever ever watched, uh, what's her name? Clara Rockmore. It's just unbelievable. A good thereminist is pretty incredibly, yeah. you know, powerful thing to watch. It's almost like operatic vocal, mm. not quite because there's nobody actually singing, but it's it's pretty it, cool.
1: It's visceral, isn't it? It's got that kind of thing. Mm-mm-mm. So, Mark, can you see yourself, um, or uh, maybe you know um, anybody else you, you advise on stage electronics to <laughs> taking up the the theremin mantle with this newfound controller ability?
3: Um, I quite like the look, uh, the look of it. I watched the video and it looked quite interesting. But I, uh, you know, how new is it really? I suppose.
1: No, it's not hey. new. It's new old. It's old new. Classic.
3: Um, classic.
1: It's a beautiful classic. classic. It's not Way to go, Dave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> classic. Oh, Dave. Thanks, Dave. It's, it's, very, it's very vibey. I was just poised on the. Uh...
3: I was going to say it's a beautiful piece of furniture. That's a sort of semi-tumbleweed moment almost. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, and, of course, that was sound of air, and um, we were just talking about air. What do you think? Pretty good, eh? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Yep. Let's just leave we're it. Messed. Anyway, um, Moog Etherwave Plus, uh, 499 new, and you can upgrade your kit to, uh, to an Etherwave Plus. You can upgrade kit is $149.
3: And I'd quite like to get one in waxed railway sleeper. I think that light wood wouldn't go with any of our furniture.
1: Is it something you have? You could have it in the corner, along with a sort of st- a large standard lamp.
3: Yeah, so, I and mean, they look fantastic. The sort of thing you should have in the middle of the table at dinner parties, actually, <laughs> as opposed to the old, you know, the cheese that we used to dip things in in the seventies. Oh, have- as you
1: reach, as no, you reach forward, on both. Can I have yeah. some more v- woo- veg, please?
3: <laughs> Fondue! <laughs> <laughs> Fondue! <Yeah.
1: laughs> PJ, you didn't put your oar in, did you? Uh, did you get um? Can you see it of any use? Does gesture just, just control oh, control have anything going the, for it?
4: The thing that I lusted after in that particular video was the uh, ring mod pedal. Uh, we used to have one of those at a studio I worked at about ten years ago, and I absolutely love that uh, that Muger Fuger ring modulator. The way that the low frequencies on that thing break sound up is is amazing. But no, just I, I don't think I'd use the the Theremin all that often.
3: Just the Booger uh, Booger Ring Modulator plugins and the same. They've got a plugin, haven't they?
4: Ah, uh, yeah. It's not the same, but it's good. the The uh, Bomb Factory copy of the Moogerfooger pedal, uh-huh. I think, sounds. Right. It sounds pretty good.
2: Not yeah. bad. But what about D-Beam? For example, in other words, there's not this huge movement of people. I've seen. I've only seen a few people really use it much. Is Roland's D-Beam now? It's sort of their own analogous. Theremin, you know, it's a physical controller that uh, operates in space. That's the analogy here. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing a whole like movement of D-beam cats. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I mean, the only time kind of,
1: you ever see uh, it is when someone's playing a kind of a simulated guitar solo on uh, a ro- uh, on something. Generally, isn't it? I mean, in, uh, I, but I'm sure it must come in useful a lot of time. Didn't they put it on some of the? Um, they put it on some of the uh, groove station stuff, so you could do kind yeah. of filter sweeps and things. And I think I've seen people yep. using that to quite good effect.
4: I had an MC five hundred five and an MC and a eight hundred eight, and I used uh, I used the D beam every once in a while. One problem with it is that there's no, like the Thurman, uh, it being a continuous controller. There's no way to really get a handle on where where you are in the beam. So you know you you can start at the top and move your way down, or start at the bottom and move your way up, and that's probably the best you know, you're going to hope for, otherwise you're going to get a lot of randomization. The other thing is stepping is a problem. Okay, yeah, it, I was
1: just going to ask what the resolution's like, because I've not yeah, to...
4: yeah, Nick uses it live and does
3: a nice D-beam solo in a couple of different things, probably oh, in yeah. Wild Boys, actually. Yeah. Oh,
1: what, 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 actually cool. pitched? So it's pitched? Yeah. All be... oh, right. But
3: the mm-hmm. big problem with it is that when you get smoke across the top of the beam, if you put too much smoke out with the smoke machine, it, and you've got it triggering nodes, which you can do, um, it starts triggering random notes off and stuff and doing all sorts of weird things.
1: Uh, well, well I, I guess that would kind of make sense if the smoke is dense enough, because it's, it's, it's a kind bit, of breaking yeah, the beam, a, isn't it?
3: Yes, I think so.
1: Guru1 suggests that you blow on your beam at that point.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Guru. There seems to be a whole load, uh, suddenly, I know we had a bit of this uh, uh, maybe a year ago, there seemed to be a lot of Cat5 audio transmission receiving devices suddenly appearing, and uh, the, there's going to be a whole bunch of wrestling for uh, a standard, presumably. I mean, taking Cat5 wiring out, you know, doing you know, and moving loads of audio over it as, as a, just a sort of general point, can any of you guys see, did, would you hanker after something that's a single-wire situation that you could just go, here's a stage box here's a patch bay, here's this, here's that, and just sort of forget about the two kilometres of uh, copper-based wiring, which is getting more and more expensive by the day that that tends to happen in most studios. Would you Would you trust it? Would you like it? I mean, I guess the, the resolution of the audio is kind of, you know, dependent on how much Cat5 you've got and what's at either end. But what do you think? Dave, can you see that happening? Would you Would you do it live or studio or otherwise?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, minimise those bleeding cables. Blimey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this the same as the Euphonics? Because that uh, does everything over Ethernet. So no, it's euphonic, kind of hard.
1: I think Euphonics is at least in the control, the MC control stuff, the Artist series, is only control data. Okay. Whereas stuff like, uh, well, the Audio Impressions thing was quite interesting, um, which is the thing that does. Uh, you have a host which has got um, which runs a load of plugins. Then you have the client, which runs the 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 AU or VST plugin as an instrument that you can then. You just say I want to, this this plugin to communicate with this computer and you type in an IP address and you've got thirty two channels of of audio coming back at full res, with MIDI going out over Ethernet and that they've measured the round trip at something like four point six milliseconds, something like that. Pretty pretty damn quick. And there's also um, I don't know if you saw that Xmox XMOS chip um, which they were displaying. I, I managed to find them on the floor um, on Sunday when I was doing a bit of off road action rather than just sticking to appointments and they it was bizarre i said oh blimey we're from bath you're from bristol and they've got these re- reprogrammable silicon chips that are working on audio uh processing and they're working with apple to try and get a standard going so i think there's a bunch of it i don't know um but before we get to the, the specifics i don't know P- pj you are a studio owner and user would you next time you move would you just rather lay a couple of cat fives
4: oh yeah absolutely Absolutely, and I'm always looking for a better way to network computers together, and so I would love a, a one a one cable solution to that i mean there are there are some, but there there are massive workarounds
1: yeah, I don't know what the I mean I guess the, the thing is is at how many points you have to convert it to and from analog isn't it because that's that, that's just going to degrade the signal, but would it degrade it any more than a crappy wiring or bad soldering rich what do you think?
2: Um, as it relates to live, I think it's inevitable that the, uh, long audio snake will become a thing of the past. It's just a question of when it hasn't really caught on that quickly from what I've seen in the case of studios, I'm much more likely to want to run the audio paths as point to point wiring rather than, rather than digitizing over an unnecessarily short distance. But the advantage is live is, is you have hundreds of feet to go. You know, and if you oh, those get those, those things just numbers, weigh tons, those,
1: don't they? They weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Those multi
2: Yeah, there's such a great yeah. argument to make for for a simpler cabling solution in that situation. But in the studio, um, it's funny because with things like audio pads, I try to I have a very much of an analog personality, and uh, that that I prefer. There.
1: Do you, I mean? Do you have like a big um, TT patch and all of that stuff? I mean, or do you kind of try and get everything directly patched where you can?
2: I, uh, I'm not sure. I have a small patch bay that represents my whole studio. The studio isn't very big. Um, Things, there are certain things that are normalized. There's typically, but I, I never record pretty much, rarely if ever, record more than one thing at a time in that room. Sure. So when you're building a studio to record one thing at a time, it doesn't have to be very complicated, you know. Even if I were building a professional studio, I'd try. To pro- I'd probably use point-to-point wiring on all the on all the audio. Connect- I wouldn't digitize out in the room and then send digital to the control room.
4: No, I wouldn't do that either. I, I'm speaking. I'm speaking specifically of networking computers together. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: Mark, how are mm-hmm. you? How do you feel about it?
3: Um. Well, I'm moving house soon in about four or five weeks, and I'm going to channel. Uh, grooves in the walls and run Cat5 all over the house and uh, hopefully um, use it for sending audio around the house as well. I'm not quite sure what particular method to use yet, but I think it can only be a good thing.
1: I suppose the the fact that it's Cat5 means you could choose any number of methods. There's all sorts of different protocols flying about. I mean, which is kind of the point, isn't it? I mean, this is there are all these standards emerging, and it, you know, are we going to end up in this kind of VHS Beta kind of situation? I don't know, Dave. I mean, do you ever come across? Do you come across the kind of code end of this kind of thing? Do you have? I suppose you don't need to write anything specific, but I mean, if you could imagine that there was a a standard emerging for networking computers audio wise, like the uh, um, the Audio Impressions audio port. Could you see the need for coding it into any of your instruments, or would that be kind of out of your remit?
0: I think that would be out of our remit. But I'm sure if I'm wrong, Mr. Number Crunch is going to put me right. Is he with us? <laughs>
1: He's oh, he looking, the- <laughs> looking at the chat room. I don't know. I, I think I, I just can't understand. I mean, I don't. You know, gigabit Ethernet is what we use here, and we can edit video and stuff over it, and it flies really well. And I use I use wireless at home for transmitting audio around, but um, it. It seems like there is, you know, like you say, Rich. There are two distinct areas, and the live thing is got to be a no-brainer. I mean, you turn up with a drummer, cat five, and a crimp tool at any new venue that you're playing at. With say, I mean, there's, there's that great Roland uh, Snake um, setup, and the desk is really good. I used it um, not live, but there was a band playing, and I sort of messed around with it and got, and I got the hang of it really quickly. And the fact is, you just turn up with a with a drummer cable and say, "Look, I'll leave it there for next time." And every time, so you could end up just running some of this stuff down, you know down various conduits and just just leave your snake there effectively
3: brilliant absolutely brilliant and then you know that when you get to the event it will get to the point you know when you get to the venue you'll be able to plug something in and it will work right, right. what yeah. happens if you plug something in that's not compatible with something else
1: well that's it i mean i don't know a lot of these a lot of these networking systems are kind of dis- certainly if you look at the XMOS video. XMOS these things are sort of auto-sensing, so you plug something into the network via a router, and it's a node and just says, "Hello, I'm available as an input or an output device. Don't care what it is. You send me or where it's going, but here it here it comes." And it's kind of quite, it's quite a powerful concept. I think I just wonder whether or not we're ready for it. And also, you know, I mean, I was I was talking to the Exmos guy. Does this mean we're going to see FireWire and all these other things just kind of st- slowly phasing out? Because, I mean. It may be good for moving that kind of thing, but if you're moving lots of really fast data, what's that going to do? Because um, gigabit Ethernet is not fast enough to to kind of stream multi-track audio and things like that. I mean, it's just not really,
3: not, not multi-multi-track of high-res starter, stuff. It's the startup time, isn't it, I think?
2: Mm-hmm, but yeah. if you've
3: got a dedicated box, sending it from one end to the other. I mean, the Durand Duran studio has monitors in one room and the computer in the other, and we send the video for, for the computer screens over a, a box, and they do that in the whole studio. In fact, I can tap into virtually any computer in Sphere Studios just by plugging into the Cat Five in the wall and plugging the sending box at one end and the receiving box at the other. Right. So I can use I can use their uh, basic Pro Tools system in the product in our production room if I want to. Okay. Or I can use the Duran Duran rig in their studio if I want to, without having to move anything.
1: I was, so you just kind of remote desktop in?
3: Yeah. No, 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 not remote desktop. There's a little black box, about half a rack unit wide, that plugs into the back of the video output of the computer, and then it has a Cat5 output.
1: Oh, yes, I think I've seen that. It's like that, uh, VGA over, yeah, VGA over Cat5. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Is, uh, and is, that, it, is yeah, it fast it, enough? Is it fast enough to... Yeah, it, it's, it works really well, and you can... Do scrolling and editing and all you know.
1: That's by I think that's by who are the guys that make all of the nifty kind of uh, gizmos. I can't remember what they're called—the sort of video and um, monitor extender things. Dave, can you remember they've got a G in it or something?
3: Very expensive. It yes, had a I, I, ye- yellow sticker on it.
1: That that's going to make all the difference, I'd imagine.
2: <laughs> I I was unbelievably impressed with the degree of uh, the integration of the studios at Sphere. The uh, their ability to network hardware across different rooms and stuff was unbelievable. I mean that's, that so what cool. I, that's
3: how I want to do my house. I just want to have if I have Cat Five running everywhere, I can do that.
2: Get get Simon over. <laughs> yeah, with chisel. Mm-hmm.
1: Just make sure you don't make those right angles too big in the Cat 5, and get Cat 5e, because otherwise you slow down the, the theoretical maximum speed. So, anyway, we'd like to see it. Um, I don't know what the standard's going to be. I, obviously, the guys at XMOS uh, uh, feel fairly confident that they're going to be adopting one, because Apple, as they say, Apple is behind them, so presumably they're going to be giving it a bit of extra clout. But it remains to be seen. I was also collared by a chap at Nam, who said they'd gonna, he was going to be releasing something on Cat 5 networking, you know it's going to be a really big thing so you know there's going to be more out there so it's just quite, i guess it's a race and who adopts it quickly
2: this is ron stewart with trinity audio group and we want to demonstrate the the in-the-mix netbook. One of the first things we wanted to do is make a pre-configured music computer so that you didn't have a secret handshake, so you start making music right away on the go. So we're hyper-focused on two things, the studio music creation environment and the mobility features. Pre-configured the operating system and all the suite and applications built into one unit. Sequencer, multi-track, digital DJ, VST host, podcast software. You can surf the net. You can take a Skype call. Instant message. 1.6 gigahertz uh, Atom Intel Atom processor. The 1.6. It's a little dual core, which we can optimize.
1: Not sure what happened there. Just cut off. But uh, anyway, as uh, as Red Walks put it, Nam voiced after three days of constant talking. I would tend to agree there. Poor old uh, Ron Stewart there, who I've been trying to hook up with for ages, and what he's made is this kind of netbook. Uh music Creation Station, which won the remix technology Award for two thousand and nine which um seems a bit premature as we were only in sort of three weeks in but anyway that doesn't that's neither here nor there but um are we starting to see miniaturization? I've been talking to lots of people who've been getting excited about little things you know the phones are starting are gonna start running more more stuff I mean Apple obviously got their things on the iPhone there are gonna be things coming out on Windows mobile I mean some of the windows mobile devices the phones are getting up 600, 800 megahertz processors in them, as well as these netbooks. I mean, this one he was using for the uh, indemix is a dual 1.6. Uh, it's not, uh, obviously, um, um, it's an well, Atom processor. I don't know. I mean, do, do, do you think maybe we're going to end up uh, the sort of large print versions of... Uh, like putting taking books out of the library, we'll just be looking at these large computers as our eyes dim and whereas the young generation are gonna start using these tiny little things. I don't know. Dave, what do you think? Having just announced the Imposca two which has a a, a quite fulsome and sizeable display.
0: Yes, it does. That's but that's for us old folks, so we can actually read it. <laughs> uh I don't know, I have no opinion on this, I'm sorry. I watched it and just thought mm, yeah. It's another thing, really. It was small and cheap. Small and cheap. It kind of didn't really do anything for me at all. Not just
1: this, but there's also the Muse Box, which we talked a little bit about, um, which is a kind of mini-receptor, and the SM Pro V-machine, which runs instruments and that kind of thing. I don't know. uh, Is it... Is it, PJ, can you see it? Can you see it working? We're going to end up not taking any real instruments out with us anymore. It'll just be a collection of sort of laptops, netbooks, and tiny little... um, kind of funny rack-sized boxes so there's going to be an awful large uh amount of luggage makers i think and case makers mm-hmm. in business
4: i think that's already happening to some degree i mean everybody's looking for a way to kind of not everyone but uh those that uh especially in the DJ set or sort of self-contained musicians and and even those in larger tours that don't want to carry around a, a huge rack of gear are are doing that already they're carrying receptors and laptops and you know maybe maybe a redundant machine um i i don't know yeah i think that's definitely the way it's it's heading as far as the miniaturization of gear goes um you know it, to me personally it's a little disconcerting because these things are very visually challenging so i'm looking for somebody to invent the jeff Hahn wall-sized touchscreen modular synthesizer interface with three-dimensional touch capability that's 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 the thing i'm waiting for and i will gladly haul that <laughs> from gig from gig to gig
1: the miniaturization presumably as things get smaller and smaller it's going to be cheaper and cheaper to make these things with very little kind of acreage of control on them so they're going to be cheap the cheaper of the things to make whereas now they're probably still a little bit expensive so mark what do you think miniature good i mean you are a proud iphone user
3: i like miniature and i like things that i can cart around with me and uh yeah i do like miniature what struck me about watching this video was this man is talking about my laptop, I was thinking, what's he on about? Why, what's so good about this? And he was bringing these different programs up and he was showing me all these different things, your video. This is. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, why? What's the point? What is the point of all of this? And then as it sort of got later and later in the video and he was just showing all the different things and saying, yes, it's got this in it and it's got this in it and it's got this in it. Yeah. A big grin started to go, come across my face. I thought, yeah, okay, it's got a battery that lasts three hours. And it's a laptop, basically, isn't it? And it runs lots of music software. And I thought, "Ah." it runs lots of music, software, but it's not sitting on top of either Apple OS, which is brilliant, and I'm not knocking it, or Microsoft Windows Vista or any other flavor of that. It's like sitting there in its own environment. So it's not relying on any of those things. So a 1.6 gigahertz processor with everything optimized to run on it is going to run faster than my two gigahertz laptop. Quite probably. So I started to see the sense of it and the price yep. point, four hundred and ninety nine dollars for the. I assume that's for the laptop with all the software. So you buy yep. this thing, open it, start making music. You don't have to sit there installing things. And you know, basically, um, it would be nice if it didn't update itself every five minutes as well. I suppose. I don't think it does. Um, so I think for the price point and for what it does. And the idea of, for me of separating my music writing stuff from my email and computing at the moment seems like a good thing. Cause I keep getting distracted. I, you know, I'll start writing a song and then I'll see something pop up on the screen. Like you, uh, You've been outbid on saddle for your motorcycle. And then I go off and look at that. Then I forget I was writing a song. And then I start looking at saddles, trying to find another one. And then I'm looking at exhaust pipes. And then maybe I'm looking at shoes or something. And then I'm thinking, what was I doing again? Oh, uh, yeah, writing a song. I well, want I something really, that, I like that isn't going to do that. <laughs> <That's, And> the, <laughs> other thing, the other thing I've got to say about that in terms of price point We're looking at that and thinking, wow, $499 for a laptop, that's really cheap, considering it comes with all that software. But have you heard about this um, Indian laptop? Because apparently they were supposed to have unveiled that yesterday, and it's a laptop Uh, that's going to cost $10, and they're going to give it to schools in India.
1: No, I haven't heard about that. Is that the thing that's, uh, there was a project, wasn't there, the one that was in Africa, that sort of took a long time to get off the ground. Is that the same thing or something different?
3: About three years ago, there was a project, and it's taken a long time to get off the ground. And they now have unveiled the prototype. Well, that was meant to happen on February the 3rd. It's the 4th today, isn't it? So I guess yesterday it was meant to have happened. And they've got the price down to $20 at the moment, I think. And they reckon once it goes into mass production, they'll be able to get it down to $10. Whew, that's it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Wow. And it's not, it's a fairly, it's got two gigabytes of RAM. It's got wireless networking. I can't remember the processor speed off the top of my head. And it's got a reasonable size screen as well. Cool. So I'm sort of, I want to find out more about that because um, I guess that's going to have to bring the price of laptops worldwide down again, isn't it?
1: More, more, more. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is interesting. Rich, how do you feel about it? Miniaturization. Um,
2: Miniaturization in general, I enjoy, and I'm still waiting to be able to walk into a sheet gig with my with a handheld device and load my programs from that instead of having to haul my laptop to the gig just for that singular purpose.
1: Okay. So, um, I suppose that could work, yeah. I mean, can't, can you not put it all on a thumb drive and, you know, do, do it that way? I suppose you can't, can you? Because it has to communicate with the devices at the other end properly.
2: Uh, yes, I said I actually have to connect to it via MIDI, but that aside, as relates to this Linux notebook thing, um, it, 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 that particular one looks like, you know, doorstop of the future Hall of Fame material to me. But right. But, I mean, it's interesting in the sense, as Mark says, that it dedicates its entire architecture to this one task. So it's not... Doing what a laptop, it's doing. It's not keeping the screen going. It's not running a, a Bluetooth or a, or a wireless connection. It's not running basically anything except the music stuff. And in that sense, it, you, you, uh, those kinds of products, like the Muse products or whatever other people yeah. are bringing out to do that sort of thing, do make some sense to me. And I have a friend who uh, tours with Michael Bolton. Michael used to insist on bringing all the original synths from those 80s records uh, <laughs> all over the world. I'm not, I'm not joking. They were shipping, like, huge refrigerator-sized racks everywhere, and, he repla- and my buddy replaced, like, a whole bunch of these racks with, like, two or three Muse receptors and did a heck of a lot of sampling to get it done and is very pleased with the results. And so, to that extent, miniaturizing for him made a whole lot of sense in being able to run on a dedicated device that's not your laptop because he's running those too in the background somewhere doing something I have no idea what. And uh and uh having those dedicated devices makes a lot of sense to me.
1: So this is going to aren't we going to end up in a situation whereby you know we had this kind of wave of uh, expensive synthesizers um on eBay, you know, because there was just the rarity of them or whatever. This is going to just become even more the case because this stuff the, the almost the real estate of control is going to become such a luxury that it's going to be fantastically expensive. Dave, I mean, you collect synthesizers. Can you see this just getting even
0: more ridiculous? I'm worried about prodding things with my stumpy digits. <laughs> I'm going to cope with that. Uh, no, there'll be a backlash, and we'll, and we'll all return to modular synthesizers. You think so? Did you, <laughs> did you, see, uh, did you see
1: Marcus Rash on uh, we did the, the guy who builds m- Mellotrons? He just builds real Mellotrons. And they're the same, I mean with a couple of modifications, probably, you know, a bit of stiffening or whatever that needs to to, to, to brace them up a bit. And they're six thousand eight hundred dollars with a flight case, which you presumably need to get it anywhere outside of Sweden. I was just thinking, what a fantastic luxury, but it's sort of maybe that sort of market is going to open up for the kind of the people who just can't be dealing with all this all this teeny stuff.
0: Well, you're gonna get I mean, on stage you're gonna end up with People sort of prodding away at chaos and stuff like that, aren't you? It's not it's just, just a stage it, show.
1: It'd just be like it'd be like
0: craft work
1: with iPhones. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: uh, mm-hmm. I, had, I had a couple of guys yesterday <laughs> mucking about with um, i drum in the studio, and they were kind of dancing around to that, which was good fun. But it was like. No, we'll take
4: the big desk out on the road, and we'll actually try and put on a show. <laughs> a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, we have um, in the Twin Cities an electronic music festival called the Sparks Festival, and I went to see a performance of four guys playing Game Boys side to side. <laughs> so, <laughs> was,
1: Something you I could think- see on any public transport five years ago. Yeah, yep,
4: exactly. <laughs> i used to play along
1: i hope you're on the
0: guest list Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) 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 get to the stage where the crew get off the bus with their game boys and people think they're the main act (laughs) yeah
4: exactly a couple of guinnesses in that was a that was a fantastic show ah well i
1: I think we're in danger of completely immersing ourselves in uh, old fartdom if we go too far down this route but I, it was kind of uh, supposed to be tongue in cheek, and it kind of is really. But I think the one, that, just as a, a, a one more thing before we go, because we, we're nearly running out of time, is I was really surprised at how much stuff there was at NAM um, that seemed to be kind of just pushing forward down these sort of areas. You know, there were controllers and all sorts of things that just seemed to be kind of this forward momentum seems to be up. There weren't lots of brand new things, but. The honing and the refinement of these kind of streams. So you got controlling and miniaturisation seem to be the two
0: major threads for me. Mm -hmm. What was what's been uh, well related to that subject? So I am helping set up this new underworld live rig. Yeah, and we cannot find a roadworthy, robust, not miniature, but a good controller or control surface. That operates via USB, the control stuff via USB, that's robust because everything's become this kind of, you know, cheaper, 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 smaller, smaller, smaller. And it's just not suitable for live use anymore. So just when you thought of market was completely saturated, actually there's an avenue here. So if anybody knows of anything, please let me know. Well something
1: so- that's kind of chunky.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Does Kenton do anything, or do you need something kind of bigger? Because their stuff's quite well built.
0: No, I mean, we actually talked about, you know, getting uh, John to build something yesterday. I mean, I've gone, uh, I'm looking at the Novation stuff today. Um, We looked at the Mackie stuff. But, I mean, there's nothing, uh, we looked at the Euphonic stuff. There's nothing that's really, really robust, large, you know, because you need to see what you're prodding under those lights.
1: I'll tell you what. um, uh, I was just uh, eye chatting with Richard Evans, um, who's going to South America on tour with Gabriel, and he's just getting his rig together, and he's using one of the Euphonics um, MC control devices, just because he's running it all on live. And he says um, it's he's he's pretty kind of confident that that's going to hold up under the under the strain. Yeah, again, that's again that's just a Cat Five cable. So um, I don't know maybe
0: yeah interesting And i spoke to rich and he said that he'd been using the um mackie control
1: yeah for a long time
0: that, that seems to work very well robust but uh no it's weird because you've got a million keyboards with a load of controllers on it but very few kind of standalone
1: what about one of the uh, old um pro tools
3: interfaces those chinese things that break every five minutes and have to keep going back Control24, right, 24. Control
4: 24, The oh, co- really? Control24.
3: Yeah. Perhaps not that. Uh, we've yeah. had several of those. They break.
4: No, and I remember it. you saying, actually,
1: so maybe you just need a row of theremins. Oh,
3: <laughs>
0: that, that, with controls, couch pads and iPhones. A row of,
1: Yeah, a D-beams and everything. You just D-beams. do the whole thing with gesture. Yeah. So you can have a dancer control the whole thing. Hey, we've come full circle. That feels so neat and so circular that I feel that perhaps this is the time to wind up the show. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for everybody in the chat room. I think the audio has been holding up, which is a good sign. So uh, all jolly good. Um, And uh, thank you very much to my local guests. I'd like to say thanks to – let's go in reverse order – Mark Tinley. Thank you for joining us, and I hope your book's going very well and uh, you enjoy the rest of the day,
3: what there is of it. Can I uh, mention my competition as well? Please do. The competition is – that I decided that all of my access all area passes, which I've collected over the years, it, which are sitting in a box in my spare room, will be of far more use to anybody else than me. Uh, preferably somebody who likes Duran Duran, because they're mainly Duran Duran passes. In fact, I think they all are. And uh, I've set a competition up on, on my blog, which is com, And I think the blog title is Access All Areas and it's basically to write a little 200 word thought thing in the comments and the best one will win the passes.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll send us the link and we'll um, put it in the show notes, no problem at all.
3: You're okay. giving them all to
2: one to one winner?
3: All of them to one winner, yeah. Should, do you wow. think I should split them up? Yeah by continent. They'll
2: stick them on eBay and make a fortune. Right, right? exactly. One at a time. (laughs) That's what they're going to do. That's exactly what they're going to (laughs) do.
3: I've put it in the rules that they can't, so if they're they're good people, they won't.
1: Oh, well, okay. Well, good luck with the competition. Very generous of you, Mark. And as Rich was the last talk there, we'll say goodbye to Rich Hilton uh, in Connecticut. I hope he's uh, able to get into work today and um, do great things in the studio
2: as usual. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yes, I putting in f- a new Mac. We're putting in a new Mac Pro. Ah, what an eight core! Ooh, yeah, the Mactopus. Mm, they getting rid of the, getting <laughs> rid of a a G5 and a P4 and uh, replacing it with a Mactopus.
1: Ah, well, that's kind of fun. Woo-hoo! So feeding DVDs in then for a little while, is it?
2: Oh man, and I'm going to start from scratch. I'm not because tra- it's my first Intel processor. I'm not even going to transfer <laughs> my user account over. I'm just going to model it after my old partition. So I got to build the whole thing up wow it's the only way to do it really i think i want it clean i, well, want, I don't want it, any gremlins or worries or concerns or oh issues no, sure
1: well i wish you luck with that then um rich and thank you. um have a good day at it and uh pj tracy thank you for joining us this morning i hope uh, you're not too shivery and freezing in your um, in your in your studio and uh, the heating comes on at some point
4: it has warmed up marginally during the show
1: uh, Either that,
4: or I'm just overexcited from having being. Nah, that'll, having, be,
1: no, that'll <laughs> be the uh, the extra CPU usage that Skype um, that Skype does. It's just blowing
4: out <laughs> Sitting by the warm glow of my CRT, it's good actually. An LCD, but <laughs>
1: blowing out your fan. Yeah, there it is. Hot yeah. airs entering
4: the room. Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always.
1: Well, thank you, and uh, pjtracymusic.com, right. and last but not least, um, Dave Spears, g4software.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And I hope your hunt for the, the, the controller
0: is somehow quenched. Can I put out a, a request for some more info, please? Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, 32 in, 8 out mixing desk with post-fade switching on direct outs on each input channel, please. Thank you very much. Smaller okay. than a Midas.
1: Right. All right. Wish you luck there. So, uh, <laughs> Sonic Talk number 116, uh, over and out. Thank you for listening. That's us.